the most successful people are the fast movers. The most successful people make decisions and they move. And yes, they might get it wrong, but they've given themselves permission to change their mind and to pivot. Welcome to Finding Flow State, a podcast to inspire you to get out of your own way and get into the driver's seat of your life to find your authentic flow. My name is Steph Ellen. I'm a recovering perfectionist turned transformational life coach. I'm here to empower you to let go of perfectionism and start taking messy action to show up with unapologetic authenticity. Join me each week for raw, unfiltered conversations with inspiring guests, as well as solo pep talks with a little bit of tough love thrown in. I am so excited that you're here. Let's flow. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Flow State. How are you this morning? How's your weekend been? I'm coming at you with a solo episode. I was going to post an interview and then I just felt really inspired to have a little bit of a riff and a bit of a reminisce really on a massive shift that I've made in my own personal mindset and reflect on how incredible it's been to be able to move away from this way of thinking that was really holding me back in many ways, but it was one of those sneaky little mindsets where I thought that it was a good thing. Perfectionism does that to you a lot. Any of you who consider yourself a perfectionist, or even if you don't, we often get into this black or white, all or nothing, polarizing, binary way of thinking this clear division between right and wrong. We make up stories about what something means. And if it doesn't fit neatly into a box, then we discard it completely. And it's human nature to an extent, but it's a way of thinking that really just messes with your mind, to be honest. And the reason I've been reminiscing on it recently is because if you follow me on socials, you'll have seen that I am getting really into running again. And for those of you who don't know, I used to be very into running, very much all in to running, where that all or nothing mindset comes in, to the extent that I ended up giving myself two stress fractures. Uh, There were other things that were at play with that, but a lot of it was like I hadn't run at all And then what happened was, is on a beautiful New Year's Eve, so in Australia, that's obviously like peak summer, was down at the beach, down on the Great Ocean Road, and decided to go see this waterfall. And I was with my ex at the time, and we were like, well, we haven't got enough time to go and see the waterfall before it gets dark, so why don't we just run there? And I started running and I hadn't run. I've been going to the gym. My fitness had been improving and it was love at first run. I could not believe the freedom. Like there were these beautiful birds. I could hear the ocean. We were just running through the rainforest down towards the waterfall. And I was like, okay, this is what people talk about when they talk about running. I'd never got it before. 
I'd always seen running as this like punishment, this way of like pushing yourself. And if I'd saw people running, I just would be like, well, they're doing it to lose weight or they're doing it, you know, X, Y, Z reason. It was never like, I never knew what it could feel like. And I was hooked, like absolutely hooked. I was like, okay, I need more of this. Like, how could I have more? And at that stage in my life, so we're talking 2017, yeah, 2017 going into 2018. So, and I was like, okay, this is it. I found this incredible thing. And when you find something that you love, you know, it just, if you're an all or nothing person, which I was and almost used to pride myself on that too, because I had this like determination that if I started something, then I needed to do it really, really well. And that has served me. And that's the thing. It would be an all or nothing mindset for me to say that perfectionism is all bad because it's not. There can be a really healthy striving for excellence. And then it can just, you know, it gets a bit blurry. It gets a little bit, mm, I don't know, we're getting a bit close to the line. And then it goes into this. And now you're actually harming yourself. Anyway, I digress. So this run was like this incredible experience. I just felt so at one with nature, this proper runner's high. I was like, people pay a lot of money for this sort of <laughs> this sort of happiness. And I'm finding it right here. So I was hooked. I started training. I booked in for my first run, which was a charity run. It was 14K in the March. And then by April, I'd run my half first half marathon. By July, I'd run a full trail marathon also on the Great Ocean Road, which included like eight kilometers of running on sand. And bear in mind that I had not run at all like prior to that run before. Like I ran about 4K run walking down to that waterfall on New Year's Eve. And then by July, I'd run a full marathon in horizontal freezing rain. If you've been to the Great Ocean Road in winter, you will know that it is freaking freezing. And people's shoes were literally getting sucked into the ocean um, if they were like the slower group um, because the tide was coming in so quickly. Anyway, that was the sort of person that I was. And look, there's still parts of me that are still there. And I love all versions, but I just kept going. I kept going and I tore my calf muscle. I started to buy every single book, uh, mainly um, magazines. Even then, magazines I was buying, which makes me feel really, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago, but who buys magazines anymore? Apologies if you're in publishing. But yeah, so I was buying, or whatever, whenever it comes out, Runner's World every month. And then I ran my first ultra later in that year. And also another little part of that story as well. I also fractured my ankle falling off my horse. And it was a tiny, tiny little fracture that I didn't know existed until months later. I knew I'd sprained it. It was swollen. It was fat. I ran a half marathon, another one, uh, like four weeks after that. So as you can tell, was definitely not very in tune with my body. Had found out that this thing was like giving me so much, but it was also taking from me because I was giving so much. And then of course, inevitably you get a stress fracture 
which is the classic overachiever overuse injury. Classic all or nothing. (laughs) And then I had to go to nothing because that's the thing about the all or nothing mindset is there's no in-between. There's no moderation. And when you give it all, often that pendulum swings back and you end up having to deal with nothing. And it was funny because that way of thinking I thought was a good thing. Someone that I used to live with at the time, he used to say, oh, you're such an all or nothing person. But it was funny because we actually had, you know, people are always a mirror. They're a mirror to you and you project onto others what you don't see in yourself and parts of yourself that you haven't integrated. Because there's other ways that this this sort of thinking can show up. For example, he used to do this thing where if he was having eggs in the morning, fried eggs, and the egg, you know, the egg yolk like popped and then it just like just disintegrated and it wasn't sunny side up anymore. He didn't have the nice consistency of the yolk. And he'd joke, but it wasn't really joking, that like, that's it, my day's ruined, you know, because this has gone on. And how many people do you know that are like that? That if one little thing goes wrong, they spill their coffee or someone cuts them up, cuts them off in traffic, and you're like, that's it, having a bad day. That's a write-off. It's a bad day. And people say it as a joke. Sometimes they're not joking, but a lot of people say that like in jest, but it's actually serious. People are serious. And they've trained themselves to think that, you know, if one bad things happen, then that's it. You're having a bad day. I'm really mindful now that I don't slip into that of being like, oh, I'm just having a really bad day. Because whatever you say, like that is creating your reality. Like that's not harmless. So this all or nothing mentality The reason it's so detrimental is because you're giving yourself no wiggle room. It's really rooted in perfectionism. It's rooted in scarcity as well, because it's this idea that there's only one right way. And if you don't get it exactly right, then you're going to have nothing. So if you do something or mess up in your own mind or make a small mistake, you've automatically decided that you're a failure and that there's no point of even trying. And if you want to watch out for this way of thinking, if you want to notice this in yourself, I invite you to really consider the language that you use. So there are a few key words that will often come up if you are getting trapped into all or nothing thinking. Look at the conditions or the judgments that you project on yourself with the words must. I must do this, otherwise, something's going to happen, or need. You know, I need to have more followers on Instagram before I start offering my services, or I need to have this amount of money saved before I start investing in stocks. Always, I always mess up presentations, so I'm not even going to offer to present that project. Oh, I I always am late. I always do this. You can see how easily that slips into our vocabulary. Other common ones as well, should, should. There's very few things that should is useful for. (laughs) Uh, If you think about it, if you go back to that running example, I used to think like, oh, you know, I should run for at least five kilometers. Otherwise it's not even worth going. 
when I was getting back into running now. So this is the difference. This is the shift. Now that I'm getting back into running, it's been this beautiful journey of, you know what? I'm setting myself a goal, but it's not a need. It's not a must. It's not a should. It's not a pressure on myself to do things in a certain way. It's it's really this grace that I'm giving myself. And it's been crazy to watch actually how much I'm growing and how good my body feels. I haven't had any injuries. Like I was getting injured quite regularly and having to go for, and yes, I was doing more mileage, but I was waking up sore and I was still like, you know, I've got to go for 8K, I've got to go for 10K, I've got to do this. And I'm not saying that it didn't make me feel good because it did. Running made me feel amazing afterwards. But if I look back at my motivations for doing it, a lot of it was rooted in this idea that I should be doing it and that to be worth it, it I should be, you know, beating my time. Like what gave me the stress fracture wasn't even necessarily the ultra marathon. The interesting thing that happened is I ran this ultra marathon, was on such a high and felt so good, but I had no idea how to rest and recover. I had no idea how to slow down. So like less than a month after the ultra, I decided that that would be a perfect time to try and beat my uh, 5K speed. So to try and do speed work after, you know, a six month training of distance running, which is nuts. Like it is mental, but I thought I was invincible. And I ended up, yeah, trying to do a sub 20 minute 5k and I got to 2007 or something ridiculous. And so really close, but probably wasn't even celebrating myself and then ended up fracturing my tibia. So you can see how it's like, you know, if you're constantly on this hamster wheel, you're constantly looking for more, more, more. It's just looking at those words, those conditions or judgments that you're projecting on yourself. And one of the really sneaky things about all or nothing thinking is yes, there's that one way of doing it, you know, where you push yourself so hard and then you burn out, but there's a shadow side. And by shadow side, I don't necessarily mean that this side is worse or even better. It's more like just an opposite side because you can have the same sort of mindset, but it can manifest in different ways. So if you swing the pendulum the other way, all or nothing thinking can actually lead to feeling really stuck. It can actually lead to being stuck in analysis paralysis because you end up with this really paralyzing fear of making the wrong decision. So what happens is, is when you're feeling stuck or overwhelmed and you don't have the confidence or the clarity to choose or make the next step, then what you do is you actually start overthinking. You start overthinking because you've decided that there's only one right choice. And this can be very unconscious. This is not necessarily a conscious thing. 
But there's part of you that has decided that this is the decision that you need to make. And this is the most important decision. And if you get this wrong, then nothing else can go well. And if you get this wrong, then you're a failure. If you get this wrong, then you're going to miss this opportunity. People are going to laugh at you, whatever your inner critic starts to say. And it's piling on the pressure for this decision. This is such a perfectionist way of thinking. And it's a way of like needing the conditions to be just right before taking action, which of course, very rarely happens. And if you're constantly waiting to feel ready, and you guys will know this, I say this all the time, but if you're waiting to feel ready, you're going to miss the most transformative opportunities of your life because they're going to pass you by. And the more you overthink, the more that your inner critic will start to come up with all the potential downsides to any of the choices. And this just spirals and spirals into overwhelm. And then it feels safer to make no decision whatsoever because that feels safer than the wrong decision. But the only wrong decision is to never make a decision in the first place. It's honestly just like you're wearing blinders, like right in front of your face. And all you can see is one end of the spectrum, which is black, the other end of the spectrum, which is white, and then the whole area in the middle. All of these creative opportunities, solutions, these new ways of thinking are just like blocked out. You just actually can't see anything. So that's what you're missing out on. You're missing out on these opportunities. You're missing these creative solutions. And so a way to start to train yourself to start noticing this is, well, the first thing is always self-awareness, isn't it? It's noticing when you're getting into those patterns. It's asking yourself like, okay, why do I feel stuck? Where is this pressure coming from? Is it coming from an internal place? Is it coming from an external place? Where did I learn that it was not safe to make the wrong choice? And this can be some shadow work. This can be some inner child work because there's a somewhere that you have learned not to put yourself out there, not to take a risk. And it's also training yourself to think in the sense that it's never either or, it's always and. It's noticing that different things can exist. So try to engage an extreme thought, so a thought that's polarizing or on one end of the spectrum, trying to just add yes and. So say, yes, I did spill my coffee this morning. And I can still have a good day. And yes, I am a good person and I mean well. And I can sometimes be reactive and snappy. Because you can see how all or nothing thinking leads to such a negative self-image because you've put all of these things, you put yourself almost on a pedestal, this standard that you've set for yourself. So it's so easy to spiral downwards. So it's really a practice of creating that awareness and reframing these thoughts with this, okay, well, is there another possibility? And look, this, you know, there's this can be so deeply ingrained in us. This can be so deeply ingrained in us. It's not something that we're born with. We learn this. So whilst I invite you to explore this, you're not getting it wrong if you mess up a few times. But next time that you've got a decision to make, 
and you feel like you're thinking and thinking and you're overthinking and you're spiraling and you can't make the right decision, how can you let yourself see some more creative solutions? How can you let yourself see the abundance of opportunities? Because there are so many different ways that it could go. It's never black or white. It's never all or nothing. There are so many different ways, so many ways you can invite moderation. And this doesn't mean that you don't go all in on the things that you want to do. Absolutely not. Like I still intend to probably run a marathon next year. (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm not having goals and that I'm just going to plod along mediocre. I think that's also a fear, isn't it? It's this fear of being like mediocre if I'm not giving like 110% into everything. But it's not about that because you actually will get further if you're actually taking action. You're going to get further if you're not stuck in the overwhelm and stuck in the analysis paralysis of trying to pick the right decision. The most successful people are the fast movers. The most successful people make decisions and they move. And yes, they might get it wrong, but they've given themselves permission to change their mind and to pivot. So take off the pressure of the decision. Don't think that just because you make a decision that you are signing it away in blood or carving it in stone, there is flexibility. When you give yourself that permission to change and you trust yourself, you know that you've built that capacity within your nervous system to tolerate the uncertainty, then you're going to get so much further than the person who's still, you know, four steps behind you, still staring at the page, trying to pick yes or no, trying to pick A or B, trying to pick left or right. You've already gone right. You've already gone right. Then you turn left further down the road. Then you've gone right again. You've already got so much further than the person, maybe that's a previous version of you, who is still stuck and can't even pass go. So become that person who makes decisions. Train yourself, build that trust within yourself to know that you can hold yourself through the uncertainty. All or nothing thinking is not serving you. I'm not going to say it's always bad because that would be all or nothing thinking too, but I'm saying that it is not serving you. And you can trust yourself to take action. You can trust yourself to change your mind. So that's it. That's how I'm going to leave it. If this resonated, please get in touch on Instagram. If you loved this episode and you know a friend who would really benefit from it too, please share it with them. It just means the absolute world and it really does get the podcast into more ears. And it only takes a few seconds of your day, but a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts honestly helps more than you could ever know. It doesn't take long just on Spotify. It's just those little five stars on Apple Podcasts. A review would be incredible. And let me know if there's any topics that you want me to dive into. Next week, I have a beautiful episode with the incredible Ashley, who this was what was going to be on this week, but I just felt like a riff. Um, So it's going to be next week. And I just can't wait for you to hear that because she is just a breath of fresh air. So until next time, have a beautiful rest of your week and I will catch you next time. Bye. Finding Flow State, the podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging 
and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.